We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. Lots to talk about today. We need to give an update on the Chris Paul front, what it means for the Los Angeles Lakers. I want to talk a little bit about the Western Conference next season and what that also means for this summer's roster build. I think it's actually really, really important context in terms of what the Lakers are going to have to do when they put together next season's roster, which is starting up in, what, a week and a half here? We've got the NBA draft coming up on June 22nd. We are almost there. Today is June 9th, which is nice. The The Lakers are going to be making decisions that will build out their roster for next year, and I think it's important that we understand the context under which they are doing so. So we'll get into that. I also have to get into the mailbag a bit today. We've got some fan questions and comments that we'll get into. So lots of stuff to talk about. Before we get into it, though, YouTube viewers, if you're watching this over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation, hit that like button. Right now, take the, the two seconds, if that, that it takes to do it. Hit that like button for us. Definitely helps out with the algorithm and all that sort of stuff. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. That's where I post my ideal off-season video. First of those went out just yesterday. I'm going to be doing more of those as we get closer and closer to the NBA draft. And then as we get closer to free agency kicking off, which is going to be June 30th, about midway through the day, free agency will start for the NBA, but the ideal offseason videos will be posted there. We're going to have more draft analysis coming up from Sean Davis there. All kinds of stuff over on the YouTube channel, so make sure you guys are subscribing there. Turn on those notifications, and then, of course, podcast listeners over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you do give us that rating and review. It's a great way to help out the show, and frankly, to, to be honest, it always feels good to go through the, the comments section and uh, see people saying nice things about the show. So something that I certainly appreciate. Make sure you do give us that uh, five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Again, if it's on Spotify, wherever it is, we appreciate you guys listening over there as well. All right, as I said, we've got a lot to get into today, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, will be probably a little bit shorter show than typical. Probably won't go a full hour here. But then again, you also never know, because once I start talking Lakers basketball, usually my time frame gets blown out of the water. Typically, I'll say, oh, this is going to be a 25 minute show. Next thing you know, it's 45 minutes. But in any event, this should be most likely a a little bit shorter show than usual. So let's start off the Chris Paul of it all. Uh, Chris Paul, this whole situation, you know, I almost feel bad for Chris Haynes in, in what 
what's transpired here. I've seen so many people running around social media. We like to push things to the extreme. Uh, people are saying Chris Haynes lied. No, he didn't. He didn't lie. People are taking this report. Oh, Chris Haynes blew it. Chris Haynes got it wrong. All this kind of stuff. Because what happened was Chris Haynes put out there that the Suns are going to waive Chris Paul. And then Shams and Woj come along and say, well, well, you know, that's not really. We, the, the, the Suns might trade Chris Paul. They might uh, they might waive him and then re-sign him. They might waive him and stretch his salary. And then he goes to another team. By the way, that's going to be the key indicator. I've talked about this already. But that's the key indicator. If the Suns waive Chris Paul and stretch his salary, look for that in the reporting. If and when he's waived, if it's a wave and his salary is getting stretched by the Suns, and there's some reason why they would want to do that in terms of freeing up some space for this season. If it's a wave and stretch, he's gone. He can't go back to the Phoenix Suns. If it's a, he just waived, they just waived him. They didn't stretch his salary. Potentially, they could re-sign him he could go back to the suns save phoenix a little bit of money so that is a key indicator something to listen for when chris paul is waived if he is waived but the reason why i don't think despite Woj and shams coming out and saying this stuff about chris paul that oh well they could still trade him they could do you know whatever the reason why i don't think that people should be too hard on chris haynes is because he's getting his information directly from Chris Paul, and it makes all the sense in the world for the Suns to slam the brakes on all of it, even if what Kane said is completely true, because he's getting the Chris Haynes is getting his information from Chris Paul, Chris Paul's camp, right? And they're saying, hey, we had a, a conversation with the Phoenix Suns, and the Suns told us, we're, we're going to waive you, right? We're going to waive you because that makes sense financially for them to do that. And so Haynes puts that out there. If you're the Suns, though, like you might tell that to Chris Paul. You don't want it out there. You don't want people to know that. Why? Because who knows? Between now and June 28th, which is the deadline to waive Chris Paul, a trade could fall into your lap. Something could happen where you need Chris Paul's salary. Well, guess what? If you are putting it out there now that Chris Paul is getting waived, what happens to the very limited trade interest that already exists? It's gone. Nobody's going to trade for a guy when you they know a few weeks later they can get him on the market for nothing but cap space, for nothing but an exception or whatever it is that you have to use to acquire him. You don't have to give up assets in order to get him. Nobody's going to trade for that guy in that situation. So, of course... Of course, yeah, I'd buy that the Suns probably told Chris Paul, hey, look, most likely we're going to wind up waving you. Most likely this is the path we're going to go down. And then when that information gets out, of course the Suns are going to try to slam the brakes on. Of course they're going to try to walk it back. They're trying to preserve any little bit of possibility that they could turn Chris Paul's salary into a trade situation and get something for him. Meanwhile, if you're Chris Paul, you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait until June 28th to know whether or not you're a free agent. No, you got to start lining that stuff up now. Look, I know there's tampering and all that kind of stuff. And no, look, free agents and teams, they're not supposed to talk before June 30th, right? That's the date. That's the date when free agency starts. Definitely nobody in the NBA is having those conversations ahead of that point, right? We all know it's happening. We all know that happens. It happens every single year. The NBA just doesn't want you to make it public, doesn't want you to throw it in their face, and of course they don't. 
They don't want deals getting agreed to ahead of time and those deals getting leaked to the public. They don't want a complicated multi-team sign-and-trade deal going down five minutes after the the buzzer sounds to officially kick off free agency because then it's obvious. You're flaunting the fact that, yeah, we were having all these conversations, but they're happening. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows these conversations are happening. So if you're Chris Paul, you don't want to wait until June 28th to know whether or not for sure you're going to be a free agent. You want to be able to start figuring out right now, hey, who is it that I'm I'm going to go play for? And if you're that team, if you're could be the Lakers, if you're the team that's going to get Chris Paul, you want to know that too because you're going to have to build out a roster around him. And if you don't know whether or not he's a free agent until June 28th, that doesn't give you a lot of time to really plan things out. So the whole situation makes sense. And I don't blame Chris Haynes at all. People are saying, oh, this guy's lying. This guy's this, that, and the other. No, it, this makes perfect sense why this played out exactly the way, way it did. And I still think the most likely outcome here is on June 29th, Chris Paul will be waived. Maybe it'll be a little bit before. But he's probably going to get waived by the Phoenix Suns. And then we're going to be talking about, is he a fit for the Los Angeles Lakers or not? Now, Bobby Marks from ESPN mentioned something about uh, an offset with a salary, which can happen. And what that would mean is, let's say Chris Paul gets, uh, let's say he gets paid $10 million by somebody. Well, he's owed 15 by the Suns. Chris Paul doesn't then get paid $25 million in total. Some of that money from the new team will offset what is owed by the Phoenix Suns. So that can be a factor in all of this too. Does that then make it more likely? And as far as the exact percentage that gets offset, I'll talk to my buddy Keith Smith because he can tell you off the top of his head what the number is. But some of that gets offset. Um, but... If you're Chris Paul, does that make it more likely that you're going to play for less? Right? Because if you're not really getting that much money, because some of it is going to go back to the Phoenix Suns, could Chris Paul be had for a veteran minimum? Could that offset be a factor in all that? For the Lakers, that's a huge deal. Huge. Maybe for the Clippers as well. Sounds like those are the two teams that are, I don't want to say the front runners, but the two teams that are most often mentioned. In the running for Chris Paul, it is the Clippers and the Lakers. Now, there's other teams that can get into the mix. I mean, the Celtics can make a case, right? There, there's a number of teams that maybe the Knicks could be interested, right? A, no, a number of clubs could get into the mix for, for Chris Paul. I saw the Pelicans as a name that got thrown out there. A lot of teams could be interested. But if you can get Chris Paul for a better minimum, it opens up so many other possibilities for you. If you're, let's say, you're the Lakers and you can get Chris Paul for a veteran minimum, suddenly you can still use potentially your full mid-level exception, $12.2 million, to go chase somebody else. Um, you could potentially use your biannual exception, that $4.5 million, to go get somebody else. And then you've got veteran minimums the rest of the way. And of course, you can still retain Austin. I think that's, that is, that's the thing I feel, of anything the Lakers are going to do this offseason, the thing I feel most confident about is Austin. Austin's going to be back with the Lakers next season. I feel most confident about that. But then you can still bring back Rui, right? You can still do the things you need to do. And you bring in Chris Paul. And if he can do it on a veteran minimum, if you have to use your biannual exception, something like that to bring him in, he wants to make a little bit more. If there's any way you can bring him in without having to burn your full mid-level exception to do it, that $12.2 million, oh boy, that would go a long way towards helping out Rob Palenka and figuring out how to really build out 
this Lakers roster. And that's going to be really important when we look at the Western Conference next season, which is coming up in just a moment. But what does all this mean for D'Angelo Russell? You know, Chris Haynes, he was on the Dan Patrick show, and he mentioned, you know, that if it was between the Clippers and the Lakers, well, he thinks the Clippers are probably going to bring back Russell Westbrook. Uh, which they'll have to give him a veteran minimum Clippers. One of the two teams that were very heavily targeted with the new collective bargaining agreement, um, the Clippers and the Warriors, the two teams that were clearly in the crosshairs with this new deal, they're really only going to have veteran minimum salaries to give out. So that could be a benefit to them in terms of the offset that we just talked about with Chris Paul's salary. But it's also um, potentially the path they're going to go down in order to re-sign Russell Westbrook. So if they're going to bring Russell Westbrook back, that's not a very attractive landing spot for Chris Paul. Haynes mentioned, though, that, look, the Lakers, they got D'Angelo Russell, and it didn't go very well. Now, I don't agree that it didn't go very well with D'Angelo Russell. It didn't go very well for one series, for four games. He was not good. Uh, there's no getting around that. But I thought it went really well for the regular season, and it went fairly well for two playoff series. And then he ran into that Denver buzzsaw. And we all know what happened. That was horrendous stuff from D'Lo. And you can't forget that. It's not like you can just discount it. You can just say, oh, well, whatever. It's four games. Who cares? No, that's on the biggest stage. It's not a good look. There's no question. And then his post-game presser where he's talking about like how everything was fantastic or whatever it was. I'm paraphrasing, but um, sounded like it, it, everything was just wonderful. It was, I, it was a little tone deaf, his comments. I wonder if that may have rubbed some people the wrong way. But nonetheless, if you're going to add Chris Paul, does that mean D'Angelo Russell walks away? Now, there's some pros and cons to that being the case. If if Chris Paul means no D'Angelo Russell, getting Chris Paul in the veteran minimum will become all the more important because you really, really want to have that full mid-level to use if that's going to be the case. Because to me, if D'Angelo Russell... You just say, we're not signing you. And he walks away. He goes and signs with, I don't know, the Orlando Magic, whoever. He goes and signs with whatever team. You're losing him. And all you're getting is maybe a little bit more financial flexibility. You're not getting any assets in return. Now, I know fans will scream, well, sign and trade him. Just sign and trade him. It's so much easier said than done. So much easier said than done. you got to find a team that wants D'Lo, that wants to pay him the contract that he wants, and wants that bad enough to give up stuff to the Lakers in exchange for that. That's not easy. The other path to getting a sign-and-trade is you find a team that doesn't have the cap space to sign him outright, and you sign-and-trade D'Lo to that team. Again, that team has to be willing to pay D'Lo what he wants. That team needs to be willing to give up something to get him. Um, and you could potentially kick that team, say, a second-round pick or something in exchange for making a sign-and-trade. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. That should be a below-the-cap team, not an above-the-cap team. But a below-the-cap team, you could pay them to turn it into a sign-and-trade, which would give the Lakers, at the very least, a trade exception, which is something, and certainly better than nothing. But unless it's an above-the-cap team that doesn't have the money to pay for them themselves, it's hard for the Lakers to get a lot back in a sign-and-trade situation. And it's just, it's a difficult situation to navigate, period. So it's not something that you just assume is going to fall into their laps. So if D'Angelo Russell, if Chris Paul coming in means D'Angelo Russell is gone, you really need to have that extra spending power of the full mid-level because that's the one benefit 
that not giving D'Lo, my projection was 20 million, uh, not giving D'Lo 20 million next season is it gives you that much more wiggle room under the hard cap that you would trigger if you use your mid-level exception and or your biannual exception. So that's the benefit. I think there is, if Chris Paul takes a veteran minimum, there is a path to keeping D'Angelo Russell, but does he want to stay if Chris Paul's on the roster? What does that mean for Dennis Schroeder? Is he the better fit anyway? Is Chris Paul better than D'Angelo Russell right now? It's a fair question. He's not a, as good of a three-point shooter. He's a better passer, more of a floor general. But what do you need more if you're the Lakers? What do you need more? Do you need D'Angelo Russell shooting better than 40% from three? Do you need Chris Paul? And that's going to springboard us into our next conversation here. But it does seem like if Chris Paul gets waived, and I think that's how this is going to play out, the Lakers are very much going to be in the mix, maybe even to be the favorite to land him. And what that's going to mean for the rest of the roster is going to be critical to watch, particularly as it pertains to what does it take to sign him? Is it a mid-level? Is it a biannual? Is it a taxpayer mid-level? Is it a veteran minimum? With the latter being the preferable option there. If you can get him for a veteran minimum, that puts the Lakers in a really strong position. But again, figuring out this Chris Paul situation and the Lakers, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I do think there's a decent chance that we see Chris Paul in LA with the Lakers when the dust settles. But there's still some hurdles to clear to get there. First, we got to find out what the Suns are actually going to do. And then what's it going to cost to sign him? And the Lakers have to make some decisions in regards to what this means for D'Angelo Russell, who is an unrestricted free agent. Same thing with Dennis Schroeder as well. Unrestricted free agent. What do you do there? Not impossible for them to keep D'Lo and Chris Paul, but D'Lo and Chris Paul and Dennis and bring back Austin. That's a pretty crowded backcourt. If you ask me, Chris Paul comes in. It means one, I think, if not both, of Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell would be on their way out the door. But that's a, a topic I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to discuss. Uh, whether or not you'd rather have Chris Paul or D'Lo, Chris Paul or Dennis Schroeder, who would you rather have? We can spend plenty of time on that. But let's talk a little bit about next season. And this all kind of springboards, this is all interconnected, the springboards into this, because I have a lot of people who are saying, who cares if the Lakers re-sign D'Angelo Russell? He can't get you where you want to go in the postseason. Who cares? Get rid of this guy. He has no business being a Laker because being a Laker means you need to be successful in the postseason. Okay. I get it. I get it. The Lakers bravado and all that. Like, hey, when the lights are at their brightest, you need to be at your best because it's the Lakers. Because this is what we do. We compete for championships. And if you aren't able to compete for championships, if if you are not able to turn up your game when the time comes, you're not Laker material. I understand it. But I think we can't just discount the regular season. D'Angelo Russell was fantastic for the Lakers in the regular season. And this isn't a entirely D'Angelo Russell conversation. This is a regular season conversation, period. Because if the Lakers do wind up with Chris Paul, and you now have Chris Paul, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, how many games is each one of those guys going to play? Probably set the over-under at, what, 60? 
I think that's a pretty good number to set it at, right? Somewhere right around there, about 60 games. So for a good chunk of the season, the majority of the season, unless they overlap in terms of when they're missing, you're going to be without at least one of those guys. The majority of the season, you're going to be without at least one of those guys. Maybe they overlap and all three are out at the same time. You're praying that those three guys will be healthy come postseason, right? That's what you're praying. And I think it's important that they are. Clearly, it's important for the Lakers that those guys are healthy if they're on the team come playoff time. Got to have that. Got to have that. But you also have to get to the playoffs. It's not like you can just skip the regular season. Right? Like we've seen teams, we've seen Lakers teams over the years where you could just tell, like they're just going through the motions in January and they don't really care because it's not the playoffs. And they know that's the end game. They know that's ultimately where their success or failure is going to be determined. And the regular season doesn't matter all that much, right? Guess what? Look at what the NBA is doing. Look at the new CBA. Look at what happened in the West this past season. I think the NBA didn't get a taste of what parity looks like in the Western Conference and say, hell yeah, give me more of that. Of course they did. Of course they did. Look what happened. The Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz wound up being a lottery team and their fans had more fun than a typical lottery team would by far. At one point, they were the one seed. They showed real flashes of potential. Jazz fans got to enjoy a fun season. They were in the mix most of the way through, and they still wind up with a pretty good draft pick, right? They end up in the lottery. We saw teams jump from the seventh seed to the 12 seed on one win or, or one loss and then go the other way on one win. It was so compact in the Western Conference. The regular season mattered a lot. The regular season mattered a lot. And what that means for the NBA is it means fans caring. Fans of tanking team, teams that didn't finish strong, caring in February, caring in March, watching games, going to games, buying products. All of these things matter. This matters. And rather than having fans check out and say, well, we're done in November, in December, having fans stay engaged through the bulk of the season, because you know what? They're right there. They're not that far off. That's a good thing. And then you look at these playoffs. Yeah, Denver's the one seed. But was anybody looking at Denver saying, oh my gosh, they are this insurmountable giant that no one can beat? No. Look at what's happening in the East. The eighth seed is in the finals. That is parody, right? That's a unpredictability that the NBA wants. They want to have that. And look, you can argue whether or not it's the right thing. Super teams tend to bring in ratings. When you've got greatness, people tend to tune in to watch that. But there is a level of excitement and a level of engagement. The NBA doesn't want a situation where a team's going to go 17 years and not be in the playoffs. They don't want that. So what that means for the Lakers and for this roster build, as they build things out, it's, you have to have a team that can do something in the regular season because it's going to be so tight in the West that if you don't, if you say, hey, we're just going to coast 
and get to the playoffs. And we're going to keep LeBron healthy. We're going to keep, maybe it's Chris Paul. We're going to keep AD healthy. We're going to coast through the regular season. You might not get to the postseason. And I think next season, it's going to be even crazier than this season. Because look what happened. Look what happened in the Western Conference this season. You look at the standings, right? You see where everybody fell in the Western Conference standings. And here for uh, for YouTube viewers, I'll, uh, I'll share it on the screen here so you guys can see what I'm looking at. You can see the actual standings. So these are the final standings of the regular season for the Western Conference. And you can see the way it all shook up. Who's getting worse? Really, who's which, what team's getting worse? Denver. This is in order. Denver? No. Memphis? No. Sacramento? No. Well, okay. Memphis will probably be without Jaw for a while. But they've got a really good backup in Tyus Jones. They've proven that they can win without him. Sacramento, are they getting worse? No. Phoenix, are they getting worse? No, they're going to add depth. I think they're going to be they're going to be better. Maybe they lose Chris Paul. The Clippers, are they getting worse? Probably not. I mean, how healthy can they stay? Golden State, they may make a difficult choice with Jordan Poole, but I mean, Jordan Poole was the Lakers, one of the Lakers' best players when the Lakers took on the Warriors. Um, so are they suddenly just disappearing? Are they suddenly not a playoff team? No. Minnesota, no. They invested too much money in Rudy Gobert for them to call it quits. OKC, no. They're going to be, oh, they're going to be a handful. I can only imagine the possibilities for them this summer, and they were already really good this last year. They were a lot of fun to watch. The Pelicans, if Zion's healthy, they're not going away. Dallas, Dallas wound up a lottery team by their own choosing, by tanking the last couple of games. But Dallas has Kyrie. Dallas is probably going to have Luca. Uh, I'm sorry, Dallas is going to have Luca. We'll probably have Kyrie. They're they're going to be a playoff team. Utah, they're going to be looking to make a push. They've got plenty of assets to do it. Portland. I think the number three pick is one of the most likely picks in the draft to be on the move. I think if they don't move the number three pick, I think Damian Lillard probably asks out, but I think Portland's going to move the number three pick. I think they're going to trade it and they're going to try to win right now. Look at this. We're all the way down at the bottom of the West and we haven't hit a non-playoff team yet. We've gone through 13 teams. Now imagine this. What if James Harden does go to Houston and Houston says, hey, let's cash in some of these young assets. Let's go. Sacramento, or I'm sorry, San Antonio, we know, is getting Victor Wembanyama. Does that mean they're suddenly a playoff team? No, I don't think so. But they're not going to be the gimme win anymore either. Think about that. We could be looking at a Western Conference next season where 14 out of the 15 teams are playoff caliber teams. 14 out of the 15 are actively saying, why not us? We can win this conference. It is going to be a gauntlet getting through the West. You thought this season was bad. Imagine what's coming next season. If James Harden picks Houston, if Houston cashes in some assets, you get these younger teams, OKC, you get uh, Utah, you get Portland cashing in the number three pick. And the Western Conference is going to have four playoff caliber teams not even make the play-in next season under that scenario. You cannot mess around in the Western Conference next season. The regular season, it's going to matter. 
it's going to matter a ton. So that means for the Lakers roster build, if you're anticipating not having LeBron for, say, at least 20-plus games, not having AD for 20-plus games, if Chris Paul is on the team, not having him, you need to build a roster with the depth required to handle that task, to be able to not have LeBron and still have a solid shot to win a basketball game, to not have AD and still have a solid shot to win a basketball game. And that's why if I see the Lakers go after a three-star model this summer, I might lose it. You'll probably see me on here lose my mind unless something crazy happens, like they get a third star that is just otherworldly. Because this next season in the Western Conference, you're going to have to have depth. And I think this Lakers team already had it. You look at what they did post-trade deadline. I know the depth didn't look so great come playoff time. But damn, did they get them there. Without LeBron, the Lakers went on a winning streak. Without LeBron, they had the best record in the Western Conference post-trade deadline. D'Angelo Russell, big part of that. Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, right? Like all these guys, these pieces they added gave them the depth that they needed. And some of it, yes, was giving the ball to Austin Reeves more, giving him a bigger role. That helped as well. But the Lakers showed how important depth is post-trade deadline. And I think next season, you got to have depth. You're going to have to. And that's got to be priority number one. Before we even get to you need three-point shooting. You need another big. Can the big play alongside AD? If not, how much do you want to spend on him? So many different conversations we can get into with all this. But I think the depth model is a must. Because if you don't have depth in the West next year and you don't have LeBron for a stretch or you don't have AD for a stretch, you can find yourselves on the outside looking in very, very quickly. It's going to be a battle, and the Lakers are better prepared this offseason for that. Okay. That's my talk on the Chris Paul of it all and next year's Western Conference, which is going to be absolutely crazy. I do need to open up the mailbag, but first, give a quick shout-out to our sponsors, and that means we're going to talk about Oakley. Do you run, golf, train, just want to look like your favorite athlete? Like, say, Debo Samuel, I think, is due for a bounce-back season. Aaron Jones, does he have one more solid year with Green Bay? Justin Jefferson, everybody's favorite, Dynasty 101. Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. And listen up, because it's officially summertime, which means you get to upgrade your sunglasses game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. My favorites are the Holbrooks. You guys can give those a look. Those are a very classic look, but a lot of different styles available over at oakley.com. And Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do. So head on over to oakley.com and do your own research there. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. Oakley is not only the best looking, but also the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. And we'd also like to give a shout out to 
game time. Check out gametime.co. You know, the ticket buying experience can be very, very stressful. I'm always looking for the best deal. And sometimes it's hard to know whether or not you actually have the best deal because depending on which portal you're going through, which company you're using, it might come at the very end when all the taxes, the fees, all the hidden charges and stuff get added in. It might be earlier on. And so comparing apples to apples can be very, very difficult, particularly in a marketplace that is constantly shifting. Um, game time takes that stress out of the entire situation for you because they have a lowest price guarantee. Even if uh, an event is canceled, they offer protection for that. So you can have that sense of relief knowing that you are going to get the best price. Game time is also the place for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. It's very much me. I'm not much of a planner. I'm more of kind of a last minute guy. Game time can get you deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You find yourself, suddenly you've got a free evening. Cool. Hop on the game time app and you can go find a game to go to, go check out, and you can do it at a moment's notice. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And that game time guarantee means you always get the best price. And then if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are that they are always going to be able to provide you with the lowest price they offer that game time guarantee. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use our code Lakers nation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem the code Lakers nation for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, let's open up the mailbag. Let's take a look at some fan questions and comments to close out the show. Uh, Martin Lee said, could we dump Beasley, Moe, and D'Lo and swoop Miles Turner and Buddy Heald while re-signing Rui and Austin Reeves? Oh, boy. Um, could you dump those guys? Like, I mean, look, Beasley is a team option. Mobamba is non-guaranteed. D'Angelo Russell is a uh, free agent. If you decide you don't want any of those guys back, then yeah, you just don't bring them back, right? You just decline the team option on Beasley. You waive Mobamba because his contract's not guaranteed. And then D'Angelo Russell, you just don't give him a deal. All right, they're gone. That's easy. How do you get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, though? Now, I'm assuming maybe you're saying sign and trade D'Lo Beasley, Mo. So pick up Beasley's option for 16.5 million. Pick up Mo Bamba at 10.3 million. Give D'Lo a new contract. Trade those guys for Turner and Buddy Heald. Those two guys combined, Turner and Heald, it's a little over $40 million in salary. So could you take Beasley, 16.5, Mo, 10.3. So we're at just about 27 million. And then let's say you were to give D'Angelo Russell a $20 million deal. Now you're at 47. Um, could you do that while re-signing Rui and Austin? Yeah, you could still re-sign Rui and Austin. Rui and Austin, you have matching rights on. Um, they are, you, you've got the ability to match any offer for these guys. So yes, you could. Now, is that a, not, is, I, I don't think Indiana is doing that. I guess that's, that's my issue. Is, is that realistic? No, but cap wise and all that. Sure. You could 
you could do that. Um, you're not triggering a hard cap or anything like that. If you wanted to throw in, well, we also want to use the mid-level exception or the biannual exception, which would trigger a hard cap at about $169 million. Uh, that's where maybe it gets a little more dicey. But just the way you laid out, trade those guys, bring in Turner and Buddy, who are both under contract, no hard cap trigger there, re-sign Rui and Austin. Sure, you can do it. The only thing you have to be concerned about is maybe eventually running into the $179 million uh, super tax, 179 and a half, that second apron. But I think you would still be far enough below it. Um, I You almost certainly wouldn't be able to use your mid-level, wouldn't be able to use your biannual because you'd be so uh, so far up. Um, so that's 40 million in salary. LeBron's at 46. AD's at 40. There's 96. Resign D'Lo. Resign Austin. You got 40 million coming in. 130. I mean, you start getting close. You'd basically have to commit to our team's going to be Rui, Austin, LeBron, AD, Vando probably can stick around. Max Christie can stick around. Um, Turner and Heald, and then the rest is going to have to be veteran minimums. Uh, again, I don't have all the, the numbers right in front of me, but I think you could pull that off. You could pull it off. I, I don't think Indiana does it, though. All right. This one said, we let Mo and Malik walk. How much would you re-offer them? So if you say, hey, you know what, guys? We've got your bird rights. We don't want to pay you, Mo, $10.3 million. Well, what you could do with Mo is you can always just guarantee however much of a salary you actually want to give him. Um, but nonetheless, if you're going to keep Mo, um, well, you'd have to guarantee a portion of it in a trade, but if you're going to keep Mo, you're going to keep Malik. You know, in the ideal offseason video that I did, I had Mo at, I believe, $4 million. Malik, I would do like five or six, something like that. And you could do two-year deal, team option on the second year, something like that, um, just to kind of give them a chance to, to prove it. And maybe the answer from them would be no. Maybe they would say, no, you know, I'd rather hit free agency sooner. Um, I need a player option or something like that. But yeah, I wouldn't be offering a ton. It's not like I would say, hey, I, you know, I don't want to pay you 16.5 million Malik Beasley, but here's 12. Nah, I'm not going that far. He didn't shoot well enough from deep. Wasn't a great fit there for the Lakers. So I still think he's a better shooter than what we saw with the Lakers. But yeah, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't be offering a lot right now. I wouldn't be offering a lot. If they want to hit free agency a little earlier, sure. But if I'm Rob Palenka, I'd be trying to do everything I could to take advantage of the situation and get a second year at a team option or something like that so that you have some positive return if you give them another shot and then they hit. You don't want to just give them a shot, they hit, and then up. Now we got to pay these guys a ton this next year. Uh, Wicked Bronco said, Love how Nuggets fans are complaining about the refs. Are they? They're up 2-1 in the series, but um, that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't, th I didn't think it was being, it's been a poorly officiated series, but... And it, but anyway, uh, acting like they didn't get a stimulus package postseason by the refs. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I thought the Nuggets, the Nuggets, I thought, did a pretty good job defending without fouling. But there were also moments where they did foul and they didn't get called for it. But it wasn't like Golden State where they were just hacking away every single play and then screaming and crying about fouls. Like they were, Golden State was just fouling every play because they can't, they couldn't play good defense. The Nuggets, I thought, actually played pretty good defense and did it, were clearly doing everything they could to defend without fouling. Like they were going out of their way to try to not commit foul. Like you saw Jokic literally run away 
from driving players and things like that just to stay out of foul trouble, which makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there was really much to complain about in this series as far as the officiating goes. Um, then he says, I never told you this, Trev, but you are truly an inspiration. I started my own YouTube and pod because of you. Oh, well, thank you very much. I do appreciate the kind, wor kind words there. And uh, best of luck. You'll have to shoot me a link with your uh, with your YouTube channel and your and your pod and everything. We'd love to check it out. But um, but thank you very much for for the kind words. Um, hoops and huddles. Did Zion fumble the bag? With oh my goodness. Oh Zion. Um, look, that whole situation with Zion Williamson. I look. I, I'm not going to get into the details of it and, and all of that. If you want to go search Twitter, you, it, it's a dramatic tale uh, that is unfolding there um more soap opera as stuff than anything else but i think it just underscores the importance of if you're a public figure you you got to be careful you got to be careful you got to be cautious um because you don't want this kind of stuff getting out you don't want to have to deal with this whole situation then the team that you're playing for has to deal with the situation and all that is you don't want you don't want any of this. So you got to be really careful. You got to be smart about things and understand how quickly things can become public. And maybe that means you, you're not able to get away with some things that that maybe normal people can um, or have a better shot of. But nonetheless, you just you got to be smarter than this. If you're if you're Zion, you can't. And it's, it's easy to say when you're a young athlete that's got all the resources in the world. Um, it's hard just to, you know, say, well, you got to be extra careful and, and on your best behavior at all times and all that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, it's, um, it's reality. Got to be really careful. Got to be really careful. All right. Uh, Paul said, how about sign and trade D'Lo for Gary Trent and then trade Mo for Bobby and re-sign Dennis? I, this Bobby Portis stuff is just, it doesn't make any sense to me. He's under contract for a few more years. If you're Milwaukee, why are you trading him? Like he's beloved in Milwaukee. He's a fan favorite. He's been so important for them. Anytime Brooke Lopez is out, by the way, Brooke Lopez is another topic. I don't think the Lakers have enough, even if they use their full mid level to get Brooke Lopez. If Lopez contacted the Lakers or made it known that, Hey, I'd love to come back to LA and I will take your full mid level. Here's a pen. Let's do this right now. He's taking a pay cut to play for the full mid-level. He'd be taking a pay cut. He was a defensive player of the year candidate this past season. At one point, he was the favorite to win it. I don't see any way the Lakers are getting him for the mid-level exception. That's why I'm not, even, I'm not even listing him as an option. But the topic here is Bobby Portis. This whole Bobby Portis linked to, like, yeah, he probably does like Darvin Ham a lot. I, I buy that. But how are the Lakers getting him? You'd have to trade with Milwaukee. Now, maybe there's something that the Lakers are willing to do that I wouldn't expect. Like, hey, they're willing to give up the 17th pick or something to get him, or they're going to be a trade back and they're going to get him that way. Or something. Maybe. Maybe there's something out there. But I don't think you're going to just trade Mo Bamba for Bobby Portis. Milwaukee's not doing that. They're not going to touch that. Uh, sign and trade D'Lo for Gary Trent. I mean, would the the Raptors are the Raptors the team that wants to pay Dilo what he wants and is willing to give up stuff in order to get him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe Fred Van Vliet's leaving, and and so they're willing to get him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that as a as a deal for the Lakers. 
Uh, re-sign Dennis. Sure, I, I think the Lakers would like to re-sign Dennis. How they go about doing that will be interesting. In my ideal offseason, the first version that I did, uh, I had them re-signing him using the biannual exception. That's $4.5 million. Would that be enough? Some team could come along, along and offer more. We'll see. Uh, Keon said so LeBron needs to call and ask Kyrie to come to the Lakers. $12 million one year. Okay, I'll address that in a second. Next summer, the Lakers give Kyrie and AD new contracts. So even LeBron leaves, we still have a Kyrie and AD duo. Well, that is part of the appeal of potentially going after a guy like Kyrie Irving. But I think part of that whole mess from last week um, with you know Kyrie recruiting LeBron to Dallas, part of that was Kyrie making it known that, hey, I'm not going to go take less to play for the Lakers. Like, I want to get paid, and Dallas is the team that can pay me. So how about LeBron comes and joins up with me? It's not happening, but Kyrie's not going to come play for $12 million one year. Now, if it's Kyrie, so you never know. Maybe next month he changes his mind, right? Free agency hits, and July 2nd, Kyrie suddenly goes, you know what? Mid-level. Let's do it. Great. <laughs> Here's a pen. Same thing as Brooke Lopez. Let's do this right now. It would be shocking. Shocking, though, if that was the case. And lastly, Meech. Look, I get it, but me personally, I'm not a fan of trading back in the draft. We were eight wins away from a ring. Western Conference Finals, people. He said, and we and got cut off. But I get the idea, right? Trading back in the draft, I'm not totally sold on it. It depends on how the draft unfolds. If you've got Jordan Hawkins is there, if Kobe Bufkin is there, right? These, those are two of the guys that are near the top of my list in terms of potential, like realistic guys the Lakers could see there at 17. I'm Derek Lively. I'm not trading back at that point because whatever you trade back to, those guys are gone. They're not going to be there. So you got to be careful with it. Now, if Jordan Howard's gone, Kobe Bufkin's gone, and a number of other guys that you liked are gone, and you're trading back to like 23 and you're into a different tier of players where let's say you're at pick 16 and there's you've got eight guys in a tier that are sitting there and you're going to trade back from 17 to 23 and you like all the guys in that next tier the same? Sure, then trade back. But otherwise, I think that the potential is there for the Lakers to get a really good player at 17. And so you got to be careful if you're going to trade back to do it only if it really makes sense. I think if your guy is there that you like, if there's a guy there that you think is in a different tier than the other players that are going to be left, you take that guy. As long as you're not getting something crazy back. You know, somebody wants to offer something really, really good in addition, in exchange for trading back, of course you listen. But most likely, I think you just make your pick and trust that this is a really deep draft and you can get a really talented young player with that 17th pick. All right, that's going to do it for me today. See, look at that. I said it was going to be like a shorter show. I was thinking in my head, maybe half an hour. Here we are, right around 45 minutes or so. But nonetheless, it's what happens when we start talking Lakers basketball. Guys, we're heading into a very exciting part of the year. We've got the draft coming up. We've got free agency coming up. It's going to be a whirlwind. It's going to be busy. Before we know it, we're going to be in Vegas for Summer League. All kinds of stuff going on. And let me just close out the show by saying I can't tell you all how much I appreciate all of you who have been watching, who have been listening uh, over the years now that we've been doing this. I appreciate you all so, so much. 
And I can't wait to get to break down all of the moves that the Lakers make because it's all coming soon. And as soon as the finals end, man, the dam is going to burst and we're going to be hearing draft news. We're going to be hearing free agency news, all the stuff the NBA wants to kind of keep hush-hush right now. During the finals, they want the focus to be on the finals. It's all going to start coming out as soon as the finals end. So buckle up. It's an exciting time of year. And uh, I'm going to be super, super busy, but I can't wait. I, I always love this time of year and love how interactive everything is with all of you that are part of Lakers Nation. And I sincerely hope that I get to see a lot of you out at Summer League um, in Las Vegas. That's going to be an absolute blast. And we are still doing our contest where we're going to have some people that are going to win the opportunity to come on this show and record it in studio with us, be on camera, doing everything. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun as well. If you want to enter that contest, all you got to do is shoot me a video of yourself talking Lakers basketball. Email it to me, Trevor at MediumLargeLA.com. And that's your, your way to enter it. Do it if you're planning on going to Vegas anyway. That's the best way to do it. And then um, we will hang out. We'll have some time in the studio. We'll record a segment for the show. And uh, we'll go out to lunch and all that kind of stuff afterwards as well. Be a good time. So again, if you want to enter that contest, that's how you do it. Otherwise, everybody, I hope to see you for fun Friday, 4 o'clock. Um, no, 2 o'clock. Sorry, got my times mixed up. 2 o'clock Pacific time uh, later on today. We're going to be doing our fun Friday live show. So hopefully I see you guys for that. Till then, everybody. See ya and stay safe.